The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I know what you're thinking. Did he gut five cows or six? Well, you have to ask yourself this. Do you feel lucky? Heard. Do you? Gang, what's going on? Kevin Goatee. Heard, hey, thanks again for coming aboard another fantastic episode this week of Gutting the Sacred Cow. And now we've got Adam Sank joining our rotation of friends as he has decided to take on acclaimed classic Chinatown. And sitting in the guest co-host chair would be Ron Barba, consigliere, and you may remember him from trying to take down the big Lebowski. Before we get to it, don't forget guttingthesacredcow.com. Come on, guys. Go grab a hat, grab a mug, grab a shirt, whatever. And, of course, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com if you want to advertise for us. Tell a friend. That really does help when you tell a friend. And, of course, I can't stop asking you enough. For those of you who have not yet done so, please leave a five-star rating, two- or three-sentence review. And that's it. Let's hear what Adam Sank's got to say about Chinatown. Gather round, here's what I know. Sometimes in Japan, men come first and women come second. Or sometimes, not at all. Co-host Ron Barba, name that film! Um, I'm going to say the one with uh, Scarlett and Bill Murray when they're in Japan. You mean Lost in Translation? Thank you, that one. Nope, not at all. Adam Sank is our our, our guest tonight. Adam Sank, do you know what film that is from? I have no idea. Gentlemen, it's from a little film in 1997 called Austin Powers. Oh. I, yes, I thought that was an easy one. Oh, sometimes oh not at all, baby. Yeah. Okay. They need that accent. You got yeah, well, that's why I didn't put the accent, you silly goose, because that would have been too obvious. Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, just kidding. Ron Barber, guest co-hosting tonight. And first time to the show, Adam Sank. Adam, how are you, sir? What's going on? I'm great, except that I have a strange, mysterious flu-like illness that may or may not be monkeypox. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing this podcast against my doctor's orders, which were strict bed rest. I mean, you could do this. That's while how in important bed. it is to me. I listen. There's no one who's going to get more tumescent than dedication to this podcast than me. So I appreciate that. Adam has decided to brave his ailments 
and throw water in the face of them by deciding to take down or try to the 1974 acclaimed and financial classic Chinatown, a budget at the time of six million bucks, a box office haul of twenty nine point two million dollars. Turn that into twenty twenty two money because that's what we do. Thirty six point six million dollar budget. One seven eight five point five million dollar box office gross. Not a bad ROI, Ron Barber. You're a billion, numbers guy. Billion dollar. No, one hundred seventy eight million. No, what million dollars? Oh, one hundred eight. I see. That yeah, is some what, serious bread. Yeah, it did not, very well. Five X ROI, my friend, as you used to do in the uh, the banking world. IMDb, as we know, is a scale one through ten with decimal points. Adam, what do you think Chinatown scored on the IMDb? Um, I'm going to be generous and say that um, easily misled fans gave that an average of eight point five stars. Eight point five. Ron, I say the same. I say that I I was about to say the same number about 8.5. Close to perfect. Close to perfect, but something was missing. You two are chest to back on this one. The correct answer is 8.2. Not far. Wow. Not far off. Ron Tomatoes is a one through 100 scale. Ron Barba, what did the critics give Chinatown? I don't know what the what that means. The Rotten Tomatoes one so through a hundred. It's, it's percentage. Yes. One through what 100. I'm saying, I'm saying, is more tomatoes. Yes. Good or yes. Bad? Yes. The highest. It's one through one hundred percent. So let's say eighty five percent. How about you, Adam Sank? What do you say? Well, I have known Rotten Tomatoes to be a harsher judge of films than IMDb, so I'm going to go with seventy eight. Ninety nine. Holy shit! The That's critics ridiculous. ate this up big time. Now, I go back to you, Adam Sank. What did the audience give Chinatown on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I thought that was the audience question. No, that's I'm going to stick with 78. Ron Barba? Audience go right up. If their critics are saying that, audience about that number, about 93, will go up. What do you say, 90 what? 93. 93. One of you has won both showcases here tonight on The Price is Right. And that person is Ron Barba, 93 dead nuts on. Look at you. You get to have a nice Toyota Yaris and a vacation to Lake Tahoe, coach. Amazing. (laughs) And a box to put away all this stuff in the back behind. And one of Barker's beauties kind of pretending to give you a hug, but doing this, you know, the pat in the back from about three feet away because they don't want to touch someone from Little Rock, Arkansas. But can you blame them? Quotes. Are you alone? Aren't we all? Do you accept people of the Jewish faith? Well, neither does my dad. Your wife got excited and closed her legs a little too quick. You know, thank God that's one of those kind of hacky, shitty lines that has died off. I'm very glad that no one says, you know, corny lines like that. And of course, the most important one, if you call it that, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Adam Sank, any quotes stand out to you, sir? Um, no, not particularly. Although I did, as a Jew, I did giggle very hard at that uh, line about yeah. do you accept people of the Jewish faith? And he's like, I'm sorry, we don't. And Jack Nicholson's like, great, neither does my father. <laughs> that made me laugh. Ron Barba, how about you? As I mean, a non-Jew. The, 
the most famous, I mean, you just asked about the qu- the quotes. What quotes stood out to you? Anything stand out besides those? Or well, the famous those? one, obviously the famous one. She's my, and I forgot which relationship it was. She's my sister and my daughter. It's like the most ooh moment. And it's, you know, just incredible, incredible part of the movie. Kind of, except. All yes, right. I should mention that that line alone turned Faye Dunaway into a gay icon years before Mommy Dearest. And uh, if if you want to enjoy yourself, uh, YouTube Lipsinka with a K at Boy Bar in the 90s. She does a bit. It's hard to explain, but she basically lip syncs movie dialogue. And uh, she's my sister. She's my daughter is a big part of it. Big one. That's gay men cool. love it. Gay Burn men that. love it. They're all saying it. They're all like, ripping. She's my sister and my daughter. There you go, Ron. Only thing missing is a Mets hat. Whack, whack, whack. All right, all right. Calm down. We'll get there. Five fun facts. Five fun facts. Five fun facts for you right now. It's time for five fun more facts. Five fun facts for you right now. Robert Town turned down one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to adapt The Great Gatsby and took. 25000 to write Chinatown instead. Two, Faye Dunaway and Roman Polanski were notorious for their on-set arguments. During filming, Polanski pulled out some strands of Dunaway's hair. On another occasion, she asked what her character's motivation was. He exploded by saying, just say the fucking words. Your salary is your motivation. She's famously very difficult. Oh. Well... Uh, if you thought that was difficult, at one point, number three, Roman Polanski and Jack Nicholson got into such a heated argument that Polanski smashed Nicholson's portable television with a mop. Who would think that a mop can break a TV? Nicholson used the TV to watch Lakers games and kept stalling shooting. Mm -hmm. Number four, Jack Nicholson is present in every scene of the movie. Number five, the role of Evelyn Mulray was originally intended for the producer's wife, Allie McGraw, but she lost the role when she divorced him for Steve McQueen. <laughs> wow. The Amazing. oldest story in the world. Yeah. Wow. She was, she was getting around McGraw, that, McGraw. Love story, wait, Love Story was her, yep. that was her famous movie. Right. Yes. Her only movie. I no mean, relation. The only one you- no relation to Tim McGraw or Tug McGraw, ex-manager of the Philadelphia Phillies back in the early days, right? No, she had other films, but that love story was really her her big, yeah. Yeah, the her big, the one she's remember. Yeah. And now it's time for the audience to get on the fun and ask a gutter. 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 At Bango2331, ooh, this should be good. No questions, just saying I love this movie and I'm looking forward to the episode. Yeah, that's a statement, all right. <laughs> at, at Rex Crumb, do you think getting his nose sliced by Roman Polanski kept Jack from meeting his daily cocaine quota? Am I supposed to answer this? Yeah, 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 of course. I don't think it would have interfered um, at that point in his career. But I will say that the fact that he has this gaping wound on his nose for 75% of the movie is one of the reasons I hate it. Oh, the, the movie, that is. Did you, uh, did you, I wonder if Artie Lang watches and goes, well, wait, hold on, hold my beer, and then fuck up his nose. 
<laughs> and yeah, fo- I, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Adam. No, go, that was done. Was Follow- Nicholson a big cokehead? Was Nicholson a big cokehead? <laughs> I don't actually know that for sure. I just yeah, I assumed from the question that you sure. may have been. Also, how in the hell did Art Carney, who spent two hours riding in a bus with a cat, win Best Actor over Jack, Al Pacino, Albert Finney, and Dustin Hoffman? No, I was too exhausted to Google what movie uh, Art Carney won the Oscar for. Neither did, did I. Do either of you know? No. So I've I don't have. Him. I've only seen him in one movie, Going in Style. Um, I mean, I only saw him on the Honeymooners. And then there's a Honeymooners as a television show, but there's a movie only going in style. Well, I know that Godfather 2 won Best Picture that year. I mean, sometimes when you have that many great actors up at the same time, the votes get split. And, you know, quite often the, the winner is not necessarily the one who gave the best performance. At Brandon Oglesby, the scene where Jack Nicholson is smacking Faye Dunaway around reminds me of how normal this was in society and in the movies. Is this the most you've been appalled at a main character for doing this? Or is there a worst or worse one, you should say? That's a really good question. I mean, it, it certainly is disturbing because he's got no real reason to be slapping her. Um, not that there's ever, you know, a good reason to slap a woman, but uh, but. What is more offensive to me is that uh, later in the film, we see the what the cheating wife of Jack Nicholson's original client in the film, and she's got a black eye, and that is meant to be played for laughs. We are intended as an audience to laugh at the fact that this woman, who we know has cheated on her husband from scene one, has a black eye. So I think it says a lot about how Roman Polanski sees women that he's got Jack Nicholson slapping his leading lady. And then he's got this woman, you know, uh, with a black eye meant to amuse us. And don't forget about the accusations in real life. We'll get, I'm we'll sure get we'll that. get to that. Uh, well, I was just, I was just trying to improve upon your point, which is already well said. I wonder yes. if, I wonder if Polanski just said, you know what, when he was the man with the knife, let me just channel my own self and go, let me do my best interpretation of how they killed my wife, Sharon Tate. Yeah! Right in the nose. Ooh, wow. We're That's going there. Cannon. We're going there to the, what's that, the Helter Skelter? <laughs> yeah, it is. Also, has the femme fatale become, only- has the femme fatale become too uncommon in movies? Follow-up question. Oh, I don't know. I rather like the femme fatale. I, I'd, I'd rather see a, a femme fatale character than a woman who's, you know, weak and wishy-washy and just led around by men. Um, I think, frankly, Hollywood could do could do with having more uh, femme fatale characters than than it does. Mm-hmm. Or has the character type become less popular given the more agency and freedom women have in society? Yes, that. I mean, because <laughs> the femme. The femme fatale was often uh, devious and or uh, violent, as in the case of Sharon Stone in um, Basic that Instinct. shitty movie, in Basic ba- Instinct. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think in general, women's parts have improved, although uh, even now there are plenty of big studio films that are released where they have one female character and 10 guys and they all fail. Uh, these films fail the Bechtold test. Um, so, yes, it's gotten better, but it's still not great. Well, Adam, those are called gangbang movies, and that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Ten dudes, one woman or more. <laughs> well, of course, the gangbang movies I watch is ten dudes and one dude. <laughs> it's a little bit less offensive. Noted. 
Fair and fair. Uh, that, of course, that was at Newark Night, Brandon Oglesby. Now we go to at Lord Snurts. What's more interesting, the murder mystery or the portrayal of Southern California's corrupt and myopic approach to water management? Um, the answer is neither. Fair. It's the latter for him, he says, because I'm a based Angelino who likes history. That's fine. At Zyphos, got nothing, haven't seen this movie in forever. Thanks for tr- giving me a status update with that one. Love it. <laughs> At Matt3571, Wicked Awesome, I have never seen it either. It is directed by a pedophile. As I stated, we've all watched different things. Actors, directors. Hollywood is rampant in them. Now, is this a conscientious objector? I don't know. It's not stopping me. I still watch Kevin Spacey films. I still listen to Michael Jackson music. They're pieces of shit. I don't condone it. Not for one second, but some people can't get past it. How about you two? How do you, how say you? I agree. I separate the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think if they've committed crimes, they should be held accountable and, you know, not necessarily be given any more work. But as you mentioned, like Michael Jackson was an incredible artist and he's dead. At Delvin Cox, I've never watched this film. And no guy, Jack Meat Singh. I, uh, it's an all time great. Mm hmm. So noted. Uh, they call this a movie at TCTAM Pod. If you had to watch one movie where the villain's master plan is to control a town's water supply, what would it be? Chinatown, Quantum of Solace, or Rango? I threw in Batman Begins, Dark Waters, and Aaron Brockovich also. Yeah, I don't know most of those other films. I do. I did enjoy Aaron Brockovich a lot more that. than Chinatown. I see. I, I figured as much because you're not roasting Aaron Brockovich today. at john trumbull trumbull comic ask him why he hates joy see i saw that tweet and i found it very ironic because if there's one thing this movie has none of it's joy this is one of the darkest most miserable depressing movies i've ever seen so if (laughs) if what's his name the tweeter john trumbull if john trumbull finds joy in chinatown then i'm afraid of john trumbull Maybe John right. Trumbull, maybe John Trumbull's rubbing one out to eight millimeter. You never know. Exactly. He thinks American Psycho is a is a hilarious comedy. Well, the business card scene is quite funny. <laughs> sure. There are comic elements. Yeah, yes. I say that in jest. John Trumbull is not jerking off to eight millimeter unless he wants to DM us and admit that he is. Okay. Enough shenanigans, enough horseplay, enough tomfoolery, enough general shenanigans it is now time ron barba to give the man the stage which he came to appear to do under the weather for the love of christ and that is to gut the sacred cow that's where i throw it in post but you guys did a great job i'll keep that in there too oh all right good (laughs) I You're make that noise whenever I do the cat-cow position in yoga and in bed. <laughs> I was just going to throw that in the back, but you beat me to it, you son of a bitch. Good for you. <laughs> You're up, Adam. Fire okay, away. Ready? Yes, sir. Okay, so this 1974 classic directed by celebrated child rapist Roman Polanski, um, I put it in the same genre of a number of other films from that era that are considered classics and which I despise. Those films include, but are not limited to, Midnight Cowboy, Carnal Knowledge, Shampoo, and Clute. I could come on your show at any time and debate you on any of these classics because they are all sinfully boring and pointless. 
Wow. Now, a couple things I, I want to say at first before we delve into why I hate this movie. I hadn't watched this movie in years, and I'd only watched it once before uh, my preparation for this podcast. I will say I enjoyed it more the second time. I see that it is not a bad movie. It is, in fact, a great movie, but it's still a movie that I hate. Now, why is it a great movie? It's shot beautifully. Every shot looks like a incredible photograph, um, you know, taken by by the world's greatest photographer. The 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 Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway are both beautiful and captivating. Um, the dialogue is snappy. The the cars and and clothing are amazing and very authentic to the period. But my problem goes back to it just being really boring. This is a I believe it's an hour and 41 minutes, an hour and 41 minute film about a mystery involving the California Reservoir. I hate to correct you. It's over two hours. It's two hours and 13 about. Is it? It's definitely over two hours. I think it's like 2.13, call it there, but it's it's over two hours. I may have fallen asleep for 33 (laughs) of those minutes. It's very possible. But it's just the mystery itself, the premise is not interesting. I don't really care what's happening with all of these crooked bureaucrats in Southern California in the thirties. And then when we finally get the big reveal, she's my sister. She's my daughter. She's my sister. She's my daughter. She's my sister and my daughter. This it, sounds, it sounds like you've done, a a, you've, you've done that as a monologue for auditions. All gay men have. But the point is that has nothing to do with the rest of the story. That is a red herring thrown in to make us all go, oh my God, he fucked his daughter and she had a baby with her. It really doesn't reveal anything about the mystery itself. It doesn't answer any questions. We knew John Houston was a was the bad guy from the first moment we saw him on screen. It's just like, really, like that's the big thing is that fate. And, and also this is important. We don't know that girl. We've only ever seen her in wide shots. We've never heard her speak. We don't know anything about her personality. We have not watched any interaction between she between her and Faye Dunaway. So the, so the reveal has no weight to it because, okay, it's her daughter and her sister. I, I don't know who she is. I haven't seen her or heard from her this entire movie. It would have been so much better had we gotten a few scenes of them interacting to sort of add to our confusion as to what is the relationship between these two? Not that it would have solved this problem that I'm bringing up, which is that it doesn't really have anything to do with the the water mystery, the orange groves, John Houston, the plan to get rich at the, at the sake of Angelinos. I mean, honestly, who gives a shit? Uh, also, I want to point out that Faye Dunaway's accent which is sometimes British, sometimes mid-Atlantic, sometimes <laughs> Southern. It comes and goes throughout the film. She can't decide on it. And neither apparently could Roman Polanski, who just wanted to slap her repeatedly. That's um, an excellent you know, point. Like, she, she, that's a very good point because she goes all fucking Carrie Fisher Star Wars, where she's British for the first 10 minutes when Darth Vader yanks her ship out of, you know, there. And then, whoops, here we are, all-American Carrie Fisher herself. There's no sign of a British accent for the next seven movies. That is exactly right. Uh, By 44 minutes in, when Jack is walking alone at night, 
by a deserted reservoir. That's when I started to fade. There's just too many long scenes in front of reservoirs and oceans and streams and other bodies of water. And uh, what was my final point? Uh, I honestly will say it starts great. Uh, I love the first 10 minutes. The city council meeting is fantastic. It's exciting. You know, we don't really know what's going on, but there's all kinds of anger and uh, we see sheep running in and we don't really know why they're there. I mean, it's a, it's a terrific setup, but there's just no, there's no satisfying punchline. Oh, this was my final point. The movie is called Chinatown. All through the movie, we're hearing about Chinatown, this notorious Chinatown where Jack used to work as a police officer. Ooh, Chinatown is so scary. We finally get to Chinatown and we're there for all of two minutes and we see one block. It's such a letdown. There is, again, no payoff to what we've been forced to sit through for the previous, what is it, two hours and 13 minutes? Yeah, thereabouts. I guess my problem is really not with the acting or the directing. It's with the screenplay. I think the plot sucks. The end. Wow. That's the drive-through version we got tonight, Ron Barba. Holy shit! And that's right. You take, take a congratulatory sip of drink there, sir. You earned it. Before that you, was wonderful, Adam. That great was. analysis. Now, great, great film analysis. now, you. I don't know if you heard the podcast. Now, this is where I tell ask you to give me a score of the film, one to ten. Ooh, see, this is hard because again, there are things about it that I recognize are very high quality. Right. Um, I'm going to give it a six out of ten. All right, fair, smart. You you weren't going to come on here and try and say this, this is a piece of shit. You're saying it's overrated. I hear what you're saying. It's not a piece of shit. It's not. But it's better than average, he's saying. Yes. Yeah. Before I get to Ron Barber, make sure you guys go on to guttingthesacredcow.com where you can get a kick-ass t-shirt like I'm wearing right now, wow. guttingthesacredcow.com. It's it's tank top weather like Adam Sank has on as well. We have tank tops. We've got mugs. we got all that stuff, guttingthesacredcow.com. And Adam Sank, go to his website and get a tank top too, for the love of Christ. Yes, it's adamsank.com, and that has all things Adam Sank, including links to the podcast, uh, The Adam Sank Show, and my merchandise. There you go. Beautiful. Ron Barba, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. Well, here's the thing is like, you know, Kevin, I always love, we're good friends and, you know, uh, yeah. always wanted to, to be on the show. And I did, I did one show with you and, you know, then we're supposed to do Field of Dreams. This movie, when you said Chinatown, I go, oh my God, I love that movie because I love Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson and Jack Lemmon are my two favorite actors of all time. There's, there's other ones close, but those two are my two favorite. Um, and... When I watched it last night with my father, my 81-year-old father, we, again, everything Adam said, I'm going to say that I'm going to agree with 99% of what Adam said. The, um, the, the only thing, the only difference was it kept my attention longer than it did Adam's. When Adam started to see it go off the rails, it took me longer. I was still more intrigued Um you know, further deep, deeper into it. And then my father had, you know, he had his own, his comments only because more because I was telling him what this show is all about. And so he would just basically said about premise. They set so much, so many premises for us. There were unbelievable amounts of premises, more than you'd see in any movie, which is interesting on a mystery because you're trying to put the piece together. So it tries to be that kind of movie. But then as like Adam says, it continues to give more information and information. And then you start to realize 
that most of this information is meaningless to the story. It's just kind of uh, a red uh, herring. Uh, yeah, red herrings and just let's just do that. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. And as 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 I think what we're you know to go further, what you're saying. You, as a write, when you're writing films, you want tie-ins, and you kept saying the word. And as a comedian, also, you want payoffs. Or in comedies, you want payoffs on jokes. You still want, you still have to have payoffs in regular dra- dramatic films like this that pay off information from before. And so little of that happened. It just kept going on and on. And then these crazy red herrings, as you're saying, doesn't tie up well. But all the other parts, which kind of get you fooled, are. The style of the movie is so cool. And that's Polanski's obvious huge talent. Every scene, like you said, looks so cool and beautiful. Nicholson is so, his, his, just his manner is as top as it gets. Yes, there's some corny lines in there, but it's the 30s. And even on his delivery on some of them, you just feel like it's that old classic uh, Dick Tracy character. He does that beautifully. And of course, she comes off as just this amazing, always been an amazing actress. She's so pl- plugged in her eyes are always captivating and she's doing so much in her listening that you see she's one of the greatest actresses of all time i didn't notice what you said about the uh, that's very funny about the accent but yes i'm sure that it did undulate but you know more or less and then the chinatown the whole thing about it has nothing to do with chinatown you just threw that in so they did a great job with packaging this movie into making it oh it's chinatown and oh we have this deep plot about water and it's very you know so much information is very interesting oh it's the water and who's getting paid off and it's about the politicians and then family but it never ties in it just turns out to be extraneous stuff to watch a coolly stylized movie and i would say it took me about 45 minutes it took you like 20 minutes 45 to 50 before and so there was a good 20 minutes to go where i'm like who cares what happens? I'm not the, the denouement has been hit, and now we're just going into I don't care. And then, like you said, the worst is she's my sister and my father. I thought that had something to do with something in the past. It, it had nothing to do with anything. And and then the last part I'll say is the opening of the movie is extremely long. The opening before you even see action, they do all the credits first. So they just go long, it's just way too long. Maybe that's what they thought was good back then. I mean, obviously today in this fast moving, but I was for a while excited that this is a nice, low, slow paced movie. But again, never paid off with the writing. So 100 percent agree with Adam on this. Wow. I'm thrilled. The two drive through reviews. Ron Barber, give me a number one to ten. They said better than average. Don't get bullied in his score. Be a fucking, you be your own man. Just trying to say, I'm trying to say why there's so many good things about it, but without the payoff, I have to give it less than a good movie. So I'm going to say four. We Whoa. go. It's less than a good movie because it's not a good movie. And isn't and Ron want, on here to defend the movie? No, Ron just co-hosts. He's oh, just, he's just I hearing your I case. Was, I thought I was going to defend the movie, but the storyline is more important. And when you see great <laughs> acting and I'm an actor, you 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 can't, it doesn't matter how well you act after a while if the story's not hitting you just get you just don't care about them anymore and that's the I toughest. feel like I convinced you with my argument. It was no no but you were you were more than right on your analysis is very on point and so I'm like this guy's got it down. It's just that you you got out of it faster than me. I was still liking it until a certain point. I'm like well, where are they going now? You know it, it, it just took me longer. I, I think I appreciate a lot of it 
and then had less. You were already way out, and that's tough because that, like you said, it was a two-hour, ten-minute movie. You were out in the first twenty minutes. You say thirty minutes. Aye. Have fun with the rest of that movie. <laughs> These notes brought to you by, make sure you write a five-star rating, two or three sentence review for this lovely podcast on all podcast platforms. And of course on YouTube. Thank you, Adam. That's right. Five stars. Let's see them. YouTube subscribe. And if you want to say hi with us or advertise with us, you know, the email address. If you don't, it's gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And as Bango2331 loves when I say, mm. notes! Paulie from Rocky is in this. He's a schlub there. He's a schlub in this film. The only film I recall Paulie from Rocky is not a schlub in, Back to School, where he's Rodney Dangerfield's driver. <laughs> but still kind of schlubby. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Ron and Adam is two gay men. How fuckable is Jack Nicholson in the early 70s? <laughs> Ron, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> well, look, the guy is the king of acting, and he's never better. Like, his acting in this is just so fun. He's got that at when he's like when he's really in your face. And, oh, he just plays the cop so beautifully. Just love him. I mean, just love him. So it sounds like a pretty fuckable. I actually have never found Jack Nicholson particularly attractive, although I've always loved him as an actor. But I will say when he's in bed with Faye and his shirt's off, he looks pretty damn good in this movie. I would definitely I'd hit that. Yes. I thought you might be looking for this or maybe later in his life, like the uh, about Schmidt with Kathy Bates in the hot tub scene. Not so much. <laughs> the only way to liven up a town hall meeting is to bring in farm animals like it's a kid's birthday party or you're crashing a Lambda, 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 Omega Moose party. <laughs> I love that reference. Thank you. I know every word to the Lambda, Lambda, Lambda rap. Oh, oh. we could do it. We could, this would be our karaoke song, Adam. Let's do it. Start off. Just give us a little bit. Give us we're a not, taste. We're not. Oh, I don't, I don't want to do that now. Oh, maybe at the end we'll sing it. The all okay. Whoops, sorry. What makes someone get into private investigating? I want to peek between blinds while watching married people cheat, but I want to get paid for doing it and taking pictures at the same time. What? Who wants to become a pro- gumshoe school? Here I come. Like, who wants to get in that line of work? It's that's so uninviting. I think it's always been a job for low lowlifes. 
And uh, I, I was actually thinking about this as I was watching Chinatown. I was thinking like, I wonder if there is like, I mean, there must be a modern equivalent of a Jack Nicholson character nowadays who does this for a living. And I wonder if it's exactly the same as it was then. Um, it's probably so much more now about um, searching the internet and like hacking their computer to figure out what emails and texts they've been sending. It's probably not as much physical work as it used to be. But yeah, these are scuzzy, scuzzy people that do this work. I have a friend of a friend who is a PI, but it's mostly it's involving insurance fraud. So just sitting outside, taking pictures to see if they're, you know, throwing a football 40 yards in the air, but saying that they broke their arm while on the job. Well, I have to say, you know, in regards to cheating, cheating, it happens so often that it's it's to me, it's just part of the culture. It's a re, it's a reality. So there's a huge business for that. So yeah. there was a TV scummy. show about it called Cheaters. Is that right? Yeah. And that's what they do. <laughs> Remember that one? Oh, man, that had to suck. Jack I don't Nichols- know if I call them scummy. I would say that it, I would actually you could actually take the total opposite side and say they are the moralists. They are the ones. No, they're not. No, they're not. They'd be doing it for free if they were such a moralist. Greenpeace are the moralists. They're doing the God. They are helping the person wronged. Okay. They are righting the wrong of the person that's been $5,000. We don't know that. You could be a a wife beater and hire a private investigator to make sure your wife isn't ratting on you. I know. Like there's there's definitely lots of situations where they're, they're up to no good. Jack Nicholson tells jokes slower than people from New York driving the left-hand lane on the highways. <laughs> that whole Chinaman joke when, when he's about to having sex. I'm like, God damn it, Jack, bring it home. Your five mics, five minutes of the open mic are up already. Again, a a long, boring setup with no payoff. Yeah. Well, wait a second now. That again, disagree. Okay, so I didn't add this in my, in my positive. That there are so many really cool scenes, and that happened to be one of them. I disagree. That boy was fuck. That joke was terrible. You know, the joke is that uh, he doesn't know that she's there listening, and he's telling a a joke about women, you know, about you know, sex, and he's something you should rude you shouldn't do in the 30s, even worse. But even the way when he hits that punchline and he's moving, and just watch how he tells the joke, and then his classic laugh, the the Batman laugh. (laughs) I mean. That is cinematic like you wouldn't believe. And there's a lot of scenes like that in this movie. I'm adjusting my four to a six as I think of how great the scenes were. What? A two-point swing in the middle of my discussion? This is unprecedented. I have to I have to imagine that chief engineer of water and power is a real panty dropper at the happy hour network events in Los Angeles. It also wasn't clear to me uh, where all of his money came from. Although I guess if he and John Houston uh, went into business together and they originally owned all the water, then maybe they that was how they, they got it. But it seems to me a chief engineer would not be living in a mansion uh, fit for movie stars. Right. Well, maybe he was fronting the bill, front fronting the bills for him because he was a criminal, obviously. Way but too many he, questions. In this but he movie. wasn't a criminal. He was the ethical one in the duo. Right. That's why he was killed. Mm. Oh, he was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying to have why he lived there. The dad, the criminal was funding them with the money he made from criminal enterprises. I don't know. Uh, I do know this. I never understood this. Please explain it to me. Why do they call them Chinamen? I've never heard anyone else say Japan men or Korean men or China woman. They We just call them push you out of the way to take your seat on a subway woman. That's what we call them. <laughs> 
Yeah, one day I got was, one day one day I got on the subway, and right before I saw a couple of Asian women, and the door opened, and as soon as it opened, I'm with a friend. Obviously, I wouldn't do this alone. Uh, as soon as I the door opened, I see him scurry. I'm like, get it, 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 get it. I was like screaming at them to get get the the seats. I never understood the Chinaman part. Someone want to elaborate on that? No. China. All right. Japanese. I think yeah, it was just, a Chinaman. just a funny. I mean, most funny. racist slurs. I mean, where does kike come from? You know, your where grandfather no, come from. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Without papers. That's the answer for the Italians. Without papers. Did you know that? There you go. Oh, really? Interesting. Yep. Means without papers. Getting a knife in the nostril is bad. It's not male rape in Pulp Fiction bad. It's not bone tomahawk having a man split in half by taking his axe to his asshole bad. That's a rough scene. Or American History X curb stomping bad. Or even worse, even worse, human centipede having your mouth sewn to somebody else's asshole bad. I just call that watching a friend's marathon. (laughs) <laughs> I love friends. How that dare is the, you? Adam, How that dare is, you? Adam, you're a smart man. That show is made for the dumbest common denominator of this fine Someday country. Someday we'll do a whole episode about friends. It's one I've of the best never, written sitcoms oh, of all time. Try yes, watching, watch no. it on YouTube without the laugh track. It is t- nails <laughs> in a chalkboard. Terrible. That's oh, it's tough. The mole uh, raise- I will say that having my face sewn to another man's asshole, that's just a Tuesday night. In my Hey-oh. <laughs> Proctor, I don't see a salad bar. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Um, I thought the no- knife to the nose uh, performed in a cameo by Roman Polanski, by the way. Yes, yes. Um, I, I thought that was one of the most painful things I could ever imagine. You know how much it hurts yeah. when you cut your nose just a tiny bit, when you're shaving the mustache really fast and you just nick the nostril. It is the worst pain. And mm. so that was so awful for me to watch and then to see that gigantic bloody bandage on him for most of the rest of the movie and then when he finally takes it off we have to see the stitches it's just off-putting i hate i hate pain on film listen that scene is an amazing scene when that thing goes up you go ooh, and that's good filmmaking when you see it didn't affect me that much i like those those things i decided are much 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 worse to me than that uh the but the i agree the uh shit when i ever pull a nose hair out I am like a little bitch. The mole raised butler is David Lopan from Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, I knew he looked familiar. Yeah. He's been in a lot of movies. He's in a ton. I just I was waiting for him to ask if he's seen any Chinese women with green eyes, though. Is, is that, that a reference to Big Trouble in Little China? That it is. That's the whole Never point. Of it. Oh, you <laughs> son of a bitch. It's a classic. Christ, Christ on a cross. That's Higgins from Magnum P.I., who is the assistant to chief engineer of water and power. He was great. He was Higgins. excellent. Higgins, uh, great. Cross looks like Fred Gwynn from, as the judge in My Cousin Vinny. Let's get that out there, too. <laughs> Are you talking about Houston? Are you talking about John Houston? Yeah, John Houston, yeah. And he's an amazing director, right? He's famous yeah. for directing. Yes, and the father of Angelica Houston, who dated Jack Nicholson. Uh, during filming. So when he said, oh, you've had relations with my daughter, it was kind of like, ha-ha, a little thrown in there. The fight choreography. He's also in- his sister. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the- a fan. His acting was amazing. Yeah. The fight, yes. choreo- the fight choreography in this movie is completely opposite of John Wick. I've seen drunken band nerds get into fights that were more believable than these Donnie Brooks. I didn't. That didn't jump out to me. But again, I may have been dozing. I, I did see one of the guys that is holding him and holding on like this. Looks like it's stage. He's not doing anything. Yeah. I don't think a fight would 
guys just standing there with the idol and not d- doing anything. It, you saw that. Nice it, lo- it looked like two dudes, two late 40s dudes playing rec league hockey in a fight, just holding each other, holding each other's jerseys over their heads. Perfect. There it is. Even better said. Thank you, Comic. Th- thank you. Nicholson is doing a great job, but this plot is shuffling its feet. I hope this payout is bonkers. <laughs> I wrote that. It's different how t- yesterday's movie stars were mainly above average or acute in the looks department. I get it. We have tons of ac- better access to better medicine, medical breakthroughs, dietitians, weight, you know, weight training, all that. But just speaking facially, different ball game. You take five of the hottest actresses now, put them against five hottest actresses in the 70s. It, it, kids, it is major leagues versus T-ball in my book. Faye Dunaway, case which, in point. Which, wait, so you think they were hotter then? Now, no, now, now they're much hotter. Now they're much hotter. I can only think of a few that were still like Jane Mansfield is probably one of the hottest women I've ever seen. Uh, but well, Sophia Loren as well. But you could say you could take a lot of the current ones now in their prime and they'll they'll just blow away all the other the Marilyn Monroe's and the other ones out there. I'm sure people are gonna send hate mail, but that's fine. I don't give a shit. I mean, you had beautiful women. You had Lauren Bacall and Veronica sure. Lake. They're very uh, much so. And, Shirley McLean was and Elizabeth weird. Taylor, a young Elizabeth Taylor, was stunning. But if I'll anything, t- I think men have gotten better looking in in the in the thirties and forties and fifties, and especially the sixties and seventies. A man could have a face like an actual dog and be paired up with the hottest woman in the world. Nowadays, in movies, the guys are just as hot as the women, and I I say hooray. <laughs> but I'll take listen. I'll take Angelina Jolie in her prime, Salma Hayek, Halle Berry versus a lot of those actresses, and they're going to win that shit in my book. Imagine having to wear a three-piece suit and a hat every day in public, especially in hot-ass L.A. I would love to take one of these people who you know live in the 30s wearing that attire, take them in a time machine, and then drop them off at a Spirit or Southwest airline terminal and watch their jaw unhinge as it drops to the floor. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and also remember, there's no air conditioning anywhere. You yeah. see that one listless fan in Jack Nicholson's detective office that goes around like this slowly. Everyone must have stunk to high heaven. Yes. They're, they're in they're in heavy suits, as you point out, and hats. They're chain smoking and drinking gin at 10 a.m. They reek like ass. All <laughs> of them. That's all I think when I watch those movies. It's like a walking bus terminal. Yeah. All the times that a woman's head said she has to roll out after we have sex, I have never, ever, ever had the inclination to follow them after kicking in their taillight, which no, is not a metaphor for anal sex, kicking in your taillight, unless Adam or definitely, I don't know. <laughs> Only when it's done properly. Meow. Yeah, I, I don't chase women if they say, I got to roll out. I'm like, that's great. Perfect. Thank you. This supporting cast of characters is as exciting as having to attend a wedding over a holiday weekend. No one is memorable whatsoever. I'll remember what I had for lunch three Tuesdays ago before I remember his associates' names or anyone else not named J.J. Giddies or Mal Ray or the fucking uh, or the dad. No one else stood out to me. No one had anything except for fucking Burt Young from Rocky. Like, oh, yeah, Polly. That's it. It's Nicole- also a fairly small cast and the the bureaucrats are kind of interchangeable. And I think that that's perhaps intentional. Fair, but none of them were memorable in their delivery, acting performances, character traits, nothing. So no. 
Yeah, Jack Nicholson is as slap hop slap happy as E Honda in Street Fighter 2. The video game nerds are laughing at that. The two of you, that went over your head. That's fine. Here comes the next one. An incest rape story is the twist, you pedestrian pussies. Maury Povich yes. did this storyline three out of five days a week for 25 years. You are not the father. All right. right. But back then, it was like, oh, my God, is that that's God. I get it. I get it. I get the time. It's shock. I'll get to that in a minute. Right. And, and, what, and why are we focusing now? On the whole, you're my mother slash sister. The whole point of this movie is to find out why Mulray's husband was killed and who did it. And who else wouldn't worth their salt? Make sure to do a clean sweep of the crime scene when you kill somebody to make sure that you have your fucking glasses and leave those behind. Wait a minute. I can't find my glasses. Better go back. OJ Simpson, OJ Simpson left less clues than this. Um, but how about when OJ Jack Nicholson just walks right in and goes right to the spot and like what he just found like a humongous piece of evidence? Like what a how lazy is the writing right there? That like, doesn't happen. What? But also, somebody as rich and powerful as the John Houston character, don't you think he would hire hey, someone to off. do the murder and not do it himself? He's an elderly man. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I mean, he's, he's holding down the girl. He's holding down a wayfish man. Sure, <laughs> but you're right. Why sell your hands? Have the Chinese gardener say, oh, uh, salt water, no good, or whatever it was he was saying. No good for glass. No that's good it, for, no glass. for glass. That too. There's a lot of racism that's played for laughs in this film, and that's one of the, the, the many instances of it. Speaking of insulting, no one, no one is going to take a 38 and hit a target through the eye that far away. That doesn't yep. happen. Ridiculous. You need a sniper rifle or at least a scope to have that kind of marksmanship instead of blind luck. Oh, went through her eye. <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. What the fuck does that mean? I've seen action movie cliches hit harder than this one that's oft quoted, like Schwarzenegger in Commando. No chance. What does that mean? It's Chinatown. You both said it. There's oh, no allure to, oh, there's no allure to uh, sorry alluding to what Chinatown is or was or why it has this mystique about it. Nothing. Ah, forget it, it's Chinatown. Why? What does that mean? That's why. How is that so important? Someone explain that. Well, to me. it it means that Chinatown is such a dangerous, corrupt, fucked up place that anything that happens there is fair game. So they're basically saying like Jack, just forget about it, move on. It's Chinatown. They were never, like, but this there is what happens in Chinatown. Yeah. Meanwhile, no one in that scene lives in Chinatown. Right, right. Let's play and the word. Chinatown, as we, as we said earlier, plays no significance whatsoever in the rest of the film. But I do understand the line. Yeah, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a fan. This film definitely paved the way for recent pulp noir films. L.A. Confidential, Pulp Fiction, The Black Dahlia, Mulholland Drive, and to a degree, Sin City and Bad Times at the El Royale. I probably saw this in film class. I don't remember if I disliked it or liked it then. I completely stand how now, this time, this must have been must-watch cinema. I completely get that. Holy shit, a rape incest baby must have shocked and titillated audiences in the 70s, so they must have given a few shock points for having the balls to tackle this subject matter. I just don't see how people still go to the mat as hard for this film. It's on every fucking list. Every list possible. The plot is not that enthralling. This film is propped up on the back of one Jack Nicholson. He carries this film to the promise. He carries that ball over the end uh, of the goal line. He's the reason you remember this film. 
he, not the storyline. People say Chinatown. Oh, yeah, great film. Name three scenes about that standout. I implore any of you. You may fire out the Chinatown <laughs> quote. I completely forgot about the rape incest baby. And I've seen this at least twice, maybe even three times. Uh, I'm a, listen, I know I'm a film I like snob. How you keep referring to the baby as the rape incest baby. <laughs> By the way, like a if, New York Post headline. I was just going to say if that is not the title of a punk band, that is a missed opportunity. <laughs> I know as a film snob, I'm supposed to love this movie, and it is fine. I'll never watch this again. It's it's good. I recognize that. I completely understand that. But is it the 10 that everyone makes it out to be? No. I will gladly take Pulp Fiction. I will gladly take L.A. Confidential over this any day of the week. Both those films have amazing storylines. Both those films have characters you can go, holy shit, remember, especially Pulp Fiction, the dialogue, everything. I will take those two films over this. Again, this is a good film, overrated, 7 out of 10. Nice. Wow, I can't believe how in agreement the three of us are about this film. I really thought I was going to be uh, uh, trashed uh, for my I, dislike I, of this film. I did too. I thought, like, that's a classic, man. You're going against a tough one. I'm watching it go, it's dragon, it's dragon. The, who get the plot? Like, who cares? Eh? And the payoff, I'm like, this better be, for this pace that this is going, this would be, be an explosive ass payoff, and it wasn't. And that's when I get pissed. And now, yeah. critics, five star reviews. Five star reviews. Five star reviews by critics. Polanski's predilection for obsessive detail, fatalistic and ironical conclusions, and unconventional storytelling transform the result into an unforgettable and unique motion picture that embodies classic detective film noir 30 years after its zenith. Words. One of the best screenplays of all time, even in spite of Oscar-winning screenwriter Robert Town. Bullshit. Lauded for its brilliant structure and a build-up to, you guessed it, shocking finale that still leaves me jaw-dropped after countless repeat viewings. Really jaw-dropping. I'll show you jaw-dropping. Come to my apartment on a Tuesday night. Me? Oh, the human centipede reenactment. Me. Keep that address. Party for six. The picture is a kind of pop masterpiece bursting with vigor, ingenious as the devil, handsome, efficient, engrossing, and quite deliberately divorced from any reality outside a dark theater. All right. That's a lot to say about a little. That's... I mean, I will say, and yeah. it's, it, it, and here's a plus to the movie. It's set in the 30s, and it's filmed like a 1930s movie. Yes, um, including the the credits that you mentioned, Ron. In, in those yeah. days, all of the movie credits went at the beginning of the movie instead uh-huh. of the end. So okay. that was deliberate, and I felt like he painstakingly tried to make everything about this authentic, and yeah. that comes across. It's just you can't get past the shitty screenplay. Fun his fact, detail, do, you, do, you, do, you know, do you know what film do you know what film got in trouble for not doing the credits up front? Instead, because they had a scroll. I'll give you that hint. What? Star Wars? Yep, exactly. Star Wars. What were you uh, going to say, Ron? I was just going to say about his detail in the scenes is magnificent. To so yes. many little 
Hopkins. It's beautiful. And so what what I thought he was trying to kind of make a Hitchcock movie, I feel, because Hitchcock is the master of that, of all the detail. But he just obviously we already you know, labored the point of going too far. But his just scenes, he was incredible at, at each scene. He said so many really cool scenes. Right. It could have been magnificent. It just all didn't pan to get, uh, you know, packaged together as we thought it would. Critics, one star reviews. Critics, one star. Critics, one star reviews. As much as I admire the work of both Polanski and Nicholson, I found Chinatown tedious from beginning to just before the end. Gene Siskel wrote that one. Wow. The, the late, great Gene Siskel. Amazing. And, and that is the only critics one star review on Rotten Tomatoes for this film. That's wow. happened maybe a couple times in this podcast. Maybe a couple. Am- Amazon five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Amazon five star reviews. Gutting power. The only the only thing wrong with this film is that it was released the same year as Godfather Two. As a result, it never got the attention it deserved and still deserves to this day as a premier example of a film noir drama. The entire cast is superb, but Nicholson and Dunaway dominate with great performances. Fair. No way could you give this movie fewer than five stars. It would be a travesty. This movie was so well written and so well acted that it is as fresh today as it was when I first saw it when it came out in the movie theaters. Yes, we actually went to the theaters in those days. There were no computers, no Amazon Prime, no streaming. But I'm not knocking the current system. It was so easy to view something like this masterpiece for only three or four dollars. This movie ranks right up there with Casablanca and Gone with the Wind. In so many ways, a classic that is referred to daily, it's takeaway lines that are timeless, it's lessons in history and corruption that amaze us and jade us both. This film is not quotable. Let's cut the bullshit right now. <laughs> Tell us more about how things used to be, Grandpa. Yeah. Well, I think there, I, I do think there is something to be said that if you think about your time when you didn't have the internet, you didn't have the, the pace of you know all these images and movies and everything in front of you. There, there might have been a. We may have had different opinion of this movie then, because like I said. I was like, Chinatown, I love that movie. All right, I can't wait to do this. And then I saw it, I'm like, hmm, what happened? Maybe. Uh, well, sure, there is there is something to be said about the experience of watching a film in a dark theater with lots of strangers. It, it's, it makes it closer to the theater. So you have a shared reaction. You might think something's kind of funny, but if the person next to you is hysterically laughing, then suddenly it's funnier than it would have been. And, and, and you know, same with gasping at something shocking like the incest. <laughs> Yeah. Rape incest, what baby. are we calling it? The rape, rape incest, incest, baby. baby. <laughs> By the way, Polanski is Polish for no black people in movies. Uh-huh. Correct. I don't say this lightly, but this may be the greatest detective noir film ever made. Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway are both brilliant in this gritty tale that starts at a low simmer and build to a rolling tea kettle whistling boil. The climax... Nope. The climax breaks violently and fizzles into the tingly afterglow of good sex. Signed, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> there's no boil no it's except uh, on mitch mcconnell's ass hey oh look at you dropping dimes in from beyond the three-point stripe according to walter isaacson chinatown is reputedly one of the films that steve jobs took along on his ipad 2 while on one of his last vacations the other two films the born ultimatum and toy story 3 
Both fantastic choices. Sadly, he probably never saw the inferior version available on iTunes. Uh, reportedly also had David Carradine's police photos hanging from the shower after dying from autoerotic asphyxiation on his iPad as well. But those are unconfirmed. Fun fact, Walter Isaacson was one of my professors at journalism school. Get out. Mm-hmm. And, what, and what grade did you have in that class? <laughs> I, well, we didn't really get grades in, in grad school. You just basically Pass passed or you didn't. Yeah. yeah. Amazon one-star reviews. 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 Crap. Too slow movie. No subject. What an, yeah. What an overrated movie. Even after an hour and a half, the director was patronizing us. This attitude can be summed up whenever someone brings up Nicholson's past. All he says is, forget it. It's Chinatown. Even after an hour and a half of that movie, what is it supposed to mean? Avoid if possible. As if you're on a plane and you don't have any more choices for the movie. Like Today's in-flight movie is Chinatown. Ah, Christ! He's all he do is wrap up. The problem in my mind is he just had to wrap up the movie sooner. I think I said it was only 40 minutes. I was like an hour and a half into it before it lost. So it was the last 20 or 30 minutes. If he just wrapped it up right there, I would have been like, that's a really, really good movie instead of I, uh, I broke up into two pieces. I finished the second half today to be completely <laughs> upfront. Okay. Because I wanted to play a, a one game of MLB The Show on PlayStation 5 before going to bed. When I was reading one of the reviews for The Usual Suspects, there was a mention of Chinatown and how it was such a great movie. This made me rent the, the movie, and honestly, there have been very few other movies that have been so disappointing. It is laughable, laughable, excuse me, that this is being compared to The Usual Suspects, which is at least a million times better. I agree. I love that movie. This is a pathetic- I feel seen. Yeah. I feel very seen right now. Yeah. This is a pathetic movie. The ending tries to surprise you, and it does because it is so stupid. Jack Nicholson does a good job, but even his acting cannot hide the fact that this movie stinks. Some comments say that this is the best film noir till date, and I have one word for such reviews, baloney. Hey, uh, bottom line, don't see it, see the usual suspects again and again and again. Hey, has anyone ever used the word baloney since 1999 when defining nonsense? I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. No, but I think we should why, bring it back. I'm like, why yeah. is Kevin giving another? Why is Kevin giving another review? Why this is bad? We've had like fifty of them, and well, then he, and it, it was the baloney joke, and the blue it played, and it played beautifully. Well, here we go. One last one, actually, one, two more. How, first of all, the title is a misnomer, or in today's parlance, more like clickbait, because it doesn't take place in Chinatown, which is only incidental at the very end. Yes, it's interesting with its twists and turns, especially the shocking incest twist, but not worth watching if you like endings that turn out well. Where did that, where did that terrible ending come from? The Great Gatsby? To use the vernacular, this ending sucked big time. <laughs> that is some vernacular. Yeah. Last one. This movie wasted two hours of your time with a murder mystery that would be disappointing as a 45-minute episode of Murder, She Wrote. Don't make the same mistake I made. Do not watch this movie. Save your two hours for something far more productive. Far more productive, excuse me. Like staring staring at a blank wall, which would be far more entertaining than watching this garbage. Signed, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> there we go. Got to close it up. <laughs> but is angie still with us on this planet or not i don't know she's, she's barely you know she just got a, a special tony award and she not only did she not show up for the ceremony she didn't even send a video so that's yeah. that gives you an idea of how she's doing 
She's probably answering that Tony like it's a telephone. Hello. <laughs> Don't let me laugh at that. I'm going to get canceled. Too late. Ron Barba did Adam Sank gut the sacred cow. Oh, like a champ. So well versed. Like his analysis is so good. I'm, I'm listening to Adam Sank more in, the, in his opinions of movies. I feel like he really nailed it. And in, in, uh, just really wonderful analysis, Adam. Thank you. Well, Kevin and Israel, I'm a bottom. Got it, got it. <laughs> Kevin Israel gave him a glowing review. That's why he's here. I co-sign on that gutting. Excellent job, Adam. I agree. This film is overrated, as you said. It is good. We all know that, but it's not the classic that everyone deems it to be. Enough of that. You'll recap horseshit. Adam, tell the fine folks what you're up to, where we can find you, any projects you've got coming along the pike. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Um, I have a podcast called The Adam Sank Show. And yes. it airs every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can subscribe and get episodes when they're brand new, or you can wait a week and listen to them when they're free on Apple Podcasts and all of the other things. Go to adamsank.com for all the information. You can also follow me on Twitter and Insta at Adam Sank and on TikTok at Adam Sank Official. Oh, Spoken like a true pitch man. Ron Barba. I tell you, you're, you're as good as Billy Mays without the cocaine habit. Ron Barba. <laughs> where are they going to find, where can the fine folks find you besides hang out with me for power lunches? Just keep hitting this one. It's this August 3rd. I will be on Lifetime Channel August 3rd, 10 o'clock on a show called Five Guys a Week, if you know what I mean. That sounds it, like a, oh, here we go, Adam Sank. This is a too easy one for me to take. It, <laughs> a girl living with five guys, if you know what I mean, for a week, and then she chooses her final suitor. And I was it's a on reality that show. show, and it's a reality show on August third, five guys a week on Lifetime. August third—that's two Wednesdays, not this Wednesday, but the following. Well, the world kicking the balls is this is not going to air <laughs> until way after that is aired. So, but go well, back and watch it online. Go back and watch it on demand or what have you. Five Guys a Week is also the headline of my grinder profile. Me? Oh, look at this. He just keeps putting that toe in the water or dick in the water, whichever he uses for bait. <laughs> KevinGoatee.com for comedy and shenanigans and dates. Better news than that. Guest shows coming back in the metaverse. You bet your ass. It's comics watching comics coming back in the metaverse. Official and fantasy football jibber jabber. NFL season's coming up. You know the picks I get with my daughter. Well, guess what? We're doing it on the show again. Get ready for it in the joke community room and the metaverse. So when you're done jerking off the you know VR porn, come watch us uh, and uh, snap one out metaphorically, if you will. Guttingthesacredcow.com, guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. You guys are all an absolute joy, a gasser. You know it. We love it. Thanks again, Adam Sank. You were fantastic. Ron Barber, you were passable. We appreciate your, your appearances as well. I did what I could, and we never mentioned that he looks like Freddie Mercury with the with the tie and the he's, anyway, going on. I was going to say, Freddie Mercury fucked Orlando Bloom and they had a kid. That thing was with it would be the uh, i'll take it well you're a bottom of course you will hey oh look at this i'll just drop them in here all day long kevin goatee ron barber adam sank thank you all for coming and hanging out we'll see you next time peace without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.